Future Self Podcast, episode 31. What is, what's happening when you get nervous? You start to sweat, your heart rate rises. What's really happening is your body is preparing to do something amazing out of its comfort zone. And you need to take that and embrace that feeling and not be afraid of that feeling. If you can embrace that feeling as a trigger, now you're in go mode. This is the Future Self Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Ingalls. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 31 of the Future Self Podcast, your resource for knowledge, insight, and inspiration. You know, I should totally start a podcast. If you have ever said those words, then you are in the right place. I am teaming up with Advent Coworking to bring you Advent Podcast University, Charlotte's first comprehensive podcasting course designed to take you from your idea that you have right now to being on iTunes in four short weeks. Now, whether you're a hobbyist or you're ready to create a business and a brand around your podcast, this course provides you with the tools to bring your unique vision to life. Even if you're still trying to nail down that perfect podcast idea, we have you covered there too. So if you're ready to take your idea and get it on iTunes, go to yourpod.pro to sign up for details. Yourpod.pro. All right, let's jump into today's show. This week, I sat down with Adam Carluccio, a.k.a. Luch Dog in the Morning. Adam and I met working together in college about a decade ago, and we really haven't kept up since. We recently reconnected on Facebook, and I appeared on his show, Luch Dog in the Morning, and had a blast. He has a very cool setup over there. I will link that on the blog and in the show notes for you, but I had such a blast recording with him. He is such an authentic spirit, so let's go ahead and jump into it. This is kind of weird for me, man. I feel like you're the, uh, you know, you're the expert in the industry here, and uh, I'm, br- I'm, bring- I'm bringing you on to my podcast. You've been- I like it. I've never been a guest before. This is great. Oh man, man. breaking the guest cherry. I love it because you've been at it since what 2012. Uh, yeah, it's been 12, 2012. Are we starting right now? Are we on? Or are we just going? We are always on. Too. So what are, are we? Going anywhere? Are we just chatting today or? Well, why don't we just see what happens here? Let's so, do it. Start starting the show. You take it away. Let's yeah. go. So one of the things that I have a question about is I discovered podcasting in 2015. Like I heard about it. I knew about it. I had friends who were way more successful than me that were listening to them, but I'd never, you know, I'd never listened to any. I'd never really considered it. Uh, I'd seen you publishing pretty consistently for, for years up to that point. And, you know, I clicked on your like YouTube videos and stuff and listened to some of that stuff and it was fun, but I'd never gotten like the app and listened to any podcasts, anything. What was going on in 2012 where we were like, yeah, I'm getting in this game? <laughs> I had all the equipment and I grabbed my roommate and I said, sit down, man. Here's a microphone. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm a musician by, you know, trade since I was like 15 and I've been building my home studio situation since I was a kid. All I wanted to do was have a home studio, but to record music, you know, I've been growing up putting music together, making my own songs by playing all the instruments. So I had to splice everything together. And then I realized how much, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say radio is easy, but comparing to writing and producing your own songs and playing all the, the instruments and recording them on top of each other, man, getting two people to talk to each other and sound smooth was like nothing compared to that. So I was like, dude, we could do this. Right. Let's get it. No, yeah, I, I, mean, I love it. I think that's how a lot of podcasts start too, is people are like, you know, what'd be cool. It'd be cool if we started a podcast. Like we're always yes, saying but- funny stuff. We should say it in the microphone. Yeah, but Rob, it was awful. It was so bad. Of course it was awful. Because <laughs> I had no direction. Right. Well, that's the point, though, is is if you didn't start and allow it to be awful, you wouldn't be Looch Dog in the morning right now doing cool and that's fun true. shit. 
Well, that's definitely true. I mean, it takes a lot of just just getting out there and starting and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't. And then, geez, five years later, here we are. We're on the radio in Richmond. I'm sitting here talking to you big time. I mean, I'm feeling good about it, Rob. What? what? I mean, we're pretty much <laughs> the premier podcast in Charlotte. Don't tell any of the other Charlotte podcasters that, though. Uh, they they might... already know it. They already know it. They heard. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I feel like you used to play open mic at Hams, didn't you? I did. I had to think back of how I knew you, to be honest with you. I was like, did oh. I go to East Carolina with this guy? Oh. I did. That's right. I did. I remember him from Hams. Yeah. you were, uh, For you, sure. You were waiting tables at Hams when I was there. I was waiting tables. I was doing the Sunday open mics. It's funny, man. That was like the biggest moment in my life every week was open mics at Hams. That was, I mean, that was definitely my, uh, my big night too, because Sunday night is the restaurant crowd night. And, and I had meticulously cultivated like the restaurant crowd around town and uh, especially one like uh, Logan's remember Logan's Roadhouse. Sure. Like all those kids would come in on Sunday nights. And I mean, I would make like a buck 50 just off that restaurant alone. And the people that worked uh, on the Sunday nights with me just hated it because I had meticulously cultivated this crowd of people. So they would come in and I would be slammed and they would have like three tables. Yeah, because doing nothing. They, right. <laughs> because people would come in, they'd sit down and they'd be like, hey, what can I get you a drink? And they would be like, can we see Rob? <laughs> and I was like, sorry, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Like I did the hustle work to, to cultivate this group. I'm not going to give it away. You know, that's you how I paid my I bills. Oh, if you think waiting tables is anything different from promoting, you're crazy. You, you got to get those people bartending, same thing. You're getting those regulars to come in there to see you, not to eat the food. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that that was a lot of fun, man. I, I even well, missed that a little. Because yeah, I, I forgot that we worked together at uh, at Ham's. I don't remember if this was the show that you did with us, but what do you think about me eating that, that pasta that the uh, very attractive lady – had eaten. Did you hear this story? I didn't hear this story. Tell me, tell me the story. All right. So since you were a waiter at the same restaurant, I was waiting tables one day uh, at Ham's. I'm 19. I'm in college. And this smoking hot blonde walks in and she orders my favorite dish, which is fettuccine Alfredo. Now, I am figuring to myself when she leaves and it's only half eaten. Well, I would make out with her and I'm starving. I love fettuccine Alfredo. So I just grabbed her fork and started crushing her food. Is that is that weird? So I'll tell you, there's not going to be any judgment from me because I've worked restaurant industry too long and I've been too poor. But I will they don't feed you, Rob. They don't feed you. But I will tell you where you and I might differ. A, I usually will shy away from a pasta dish because I feel like they've just been noodling around in there too much. You know, like it's just it's all pushed together. It's all touching. Um, and and I, I definitely would at least have gone to the back and maybe gotten a clean fork. Sure. Um, but at the same time, have I eaten off someone's plate? A million percent, yes. You know you have. You take Absolutely. that chicken tender and you crush it when oh, they haven't touched a, it. Oh, and a chicken tender, definitely. Because, I mean, you know, of course they could have coughed on it or something, but I don't need to think about that when I'm hungry. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, there's always people you work with who are just, like, revolted by it. Like, how could you do that? Oh, like, yeah. yeah fuck well, you, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I'm hungry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't care. Your judgment means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, that's where it all started, man. Hams. Wow, that's crazy. It's I didn't realize I didn't realize that you were just a little baby back then. Yeah, I was nineteen years I was, old. Yep, young buck. Yeah, I was uh I was on my like second college swing. Uh I think I was like twenty five, twenty six around then. I had but no yeah. idea. I, like I said, I was trying to figure out how the hell I knew you. Now I now I, I totally placed it. It's Hams. That's yeah, right. That's the love of that's uh, that's what's good about Facebook is you know if, if not for Facebook we would not have friended each other and you would have just been somewhere else doing something. I wouldn't know anything about Looch Dog because that's right, really the only it, way I keep up with it. 
Well, but the problem with all that is, Rob, is that for all the women that we used to know, they all went and changed their names. And for the women that don't put the parentheses, now I don't know who's who. Yeah, right. And then you look at him, you're like, <laughs> it looks kind of like someone I know, but I'm not sure. I don't even know how I might know them. So one of the things I like to talk about on the show is people who have kind of taken non-traditional routes, you know, because you went to school for, what did you go to school for, business? Yes, sir. Right. So you're at ECU, you go for a business degree. Did you... Did you try to do something with that along the route? Take us through yeah. that. Like when you graduated in what, like oh, oh four, oh six. Yeah. yeah. Like what? What was your plan at that point? Oh, I had no idea, Rob. I just knew I wanted to make money and be the boss, so I got a, a, a degree in business management. Right. And um, so I really didn't know. You know, I was undecided the first two years. I didn't know what the hell. What are you supposed to do with your life? You don't know at nineteen, twenty. So I figured I just kind of learn about you know finances, money, and how to run a business. Um, but I definitely went straight into teaching special ed after college. I just I went to go buy a Christmas tree. My high school baseball coach was there. He was like, listen, man, I need you to coach my team. Offer me the JV baseball coaching position. I was like, yep, I'll take it. And then I had three years of a teaching provisional license after that teaching special ed. So I have no my whole thing, man, when I was setting this up was just just continue to learn about what I like and don't like and what I do well and don't. And then the answers start to appear for, you know, for you from there. I love that because I think that you basically took the same path that so many of us took is you left high school and what do you do next? You go to college. Like, what else are you going to do? That's what everyone says to do. And, you know, they say, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know what I want to do. I I guess I want to make money. That seems to be the thing that we're supposed to do. We need to take care of ourselves and accumulate some things that we want. And, and so we go. And I did the same thing. I think my first degree, I mean, when I first went to college, I was like, ultimately, I want to go to law school. Like, that was my plan. Uh, and I didn't really know exactly what to to do in that moment because the school I went to didn't have like a pre-law program. And so I'm talking to my advisor at this community college and, and not to hate on this person. I don't even remember their name, but they literally were phoning it in. They were just like, hey, I don't know. Psychology seems nice. That's probably okay. You write a lot. Lawyers write a lot. <laughs> How like, about I do your job? Your job seems easy. <laughs> right. And, and and so my for like, I think the first semester, I was, I was into psychology. And I took, you know, I don't know. I think over the course of the first year, I took four or five uh, psych classes. And, and I'm like, I mean, this is cool. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. But I was like, I don't really want to do this. Uh, so then I jumped around and I ended up doing philosophy and religion for a while uh, before wow. getting onto like an actual track that would help, you know, p- political science and criminal justice, which got, you know, kind of helped me out more towards the law. But I was following that same track as well. What, do, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go to college and we're supposed to try to get a job that we think is, you know, fancy and going to make us money. But I love the path, you know, that you kind of took right after school was just, no, I'm going to I'm going to do the things that I like to do. And, and I wish I'd have done that earlier. I wish I'd have started, you know, deciding, thinking, hey, what do I like? What, what would I do if I could do it for free? And, and start doing those things and then try to build a career around that. And I love that you've done that. It's, it's scary, though, man. I appreciate you saying that. But isn't it scary? Because you're supposed to know, you know, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. At what, 21? Let me tell you something, dude. I'm only 34 years old. I remember turning 30 and I, re- I realized, oh, wow, I'm basically now just becoming an adult. Yeah. At 23, like Rob, I hate 23 year olds because they sit there walking around going, you know, they just graduated college and they're going to, what's the first thing a 23 year old tells you? It's their title. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Did you know that uh, I actually, I just got a job. I'm the senior business analyst at blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, dude, dude, 
You don't even know who you are yet. You shouldn't know what you want to do yet. I see all these people trying to figure it out. I just feel like take what's in front of you, try to make the most out of it, and learn from it. If you like it, great. Keep going down that path. But if you don't, then get the hell out. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with just do things you like. Start, even if you have a job, spend your free time doing things that you like. And, and that's one of the coolest parts of starting this podcast is so many people that are around our age group, uh, even, you know, a number of people that I know, I know from ECU because they see me promoting on Facebook and stuff, uh, have reached out to me and they're like, man, I got this job in this HR department and, and every <laughs> single morning that I wake up, I can't believe that I'm doing this with my life. Like I'm so upset. I'm so angry. I, I really hate it. And I just live for Friday and uh, another guy, I don't think he worked at Hams at the same time you did. I think you kind of missed him, but he, he reached out to me too. And he was like, I'm quitting my job today. Um, yep. and, and <laughs> I, but thankfully we talked and he decided, you know, he had talked himself off that somebody else had talked him off the ledge, uh, you know, get a, get that plan in place first. But we've kept up right. since then. Like we've been talking about his plan and, and what he's trying to do. And he's really doing something. He's creating something so he can walk away, I think, you know, from the job that he's doing that he doesn't like. He's uh, doing like kind of in the financial advising world. Oh, wow. Well, but okay. If you're, I'm sure some of our listeners are out here going, okay, Rob, but how, what if, what's free time? What the hell is free time? Like how, do, how, what's your, you know, suggestion to them if they say, you know, I got a kid, I got a job I hate and I ain't got that much money. So what are you talking about with this free time? How do I start this? I call bullshit. You don't care enough. I mean, I'm That's not, what I'm talking about. Rob. Woo! Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. It's just, if you actually care, because that's the thing you just described me, I, I have a kid, I have a wife and don't get me wrong. You just said it a minute ago. It is scary. It is not easy. When you cut a revenue stream down and you're trying to do something new, it, it, it's hard. And that's the, the whole part that makes it so scary is a lot of times you're jumping into something that is uncertain. Like with me, I am creating something. And when you create something, there's a very good you know possibility, not a very good possibility. There's always the distinct possibility that it just doesn't work. Sure. And and I, I've told this story more than once. But when I got into podcasting, it was for a very different thing. Like I was starting a different business. That was my first idea. And then that pivoted. And then I started the podcast and then the podcast pivoted. And then the contacts I was able to make along the way and and just one person after another and the experiences I had. And then I went to podcasting conferences and met other people. It all was able to get me to where I am now, where I'm about to start my new podcast uh, as a men's relationship coach, it's called Getting Over the Girl. I can't remember if we talked about that on your... I can't wait. Oh, dude, Rob, I'm so I can't pumped. Wait. And I was blown away by the outpouring that I received from people. And I've only put it out there a little. I haven't even told that many people. Like I, right. I did a, a podcast interview and I was surprised how many people actually listened to it. And <laughs> so many people messaged me and they're like, man, I just went through a breakup like six months ago and I'm still not there. They were like, right. but oh my God, just I, I wish that this was there when I was there. And, and that has blown me away. So many people and people that I didn't even realize that I was even still friends with. And so that's been great. Cause it's one of those things they said, there's just not that resource out there. It's not the kind of thing that people feel comfortable talking about. Well, it's funny that you said it too, is that you have to be willing to fail. I feel like there's that uncertainty there, which is true, but you know where I don't, I think you and I differ is that cause I see it in you. You're not Yes, you're uncertain about how your venture is going to, you know, take off or whether it will or not, whether it's going to fail, whether it's going to be a success. Sure, all of that all of that is up in the air. But one thing that I've always held true 
too, and I think you do the same thing, is confidence in yourself. I mean, yes, the world you're entering into is uncertain, but I'm going to slay. I'm going to crush this. I know I believe in myself. And that, I think, takes away from the scariness of an uncertainty uh, that you're heading into. I agree, but I'll ask you this. like, Let's say that you're a person who doesn't have that confidence in themselves. What do you do in that moment? Well, then you need to grow. You need to grow. You need to start trying new things because you obviously haven't been put to the test yet. The reason, you know, somebody like you and me has got that confidence is because we failed. A sh- I don't know if we curse on here, but a whole lot. We do. A whole lot. We do. We fail a shit ton, Rob. It happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, t- I took a radio job in Colorado across the country, mo- sold my condo, moved out there. The co-host quit the day before I started, told me that the people that we were going to be working for are, you know, sexually harassing her and what a nightmare. Oh, man. I just moved out there, dude. I hadn't even started yet. So it's like, okay. I was back within two months, man. And wow. That, that's, so, that's shameful. You know, that's that was scary. But, man, if I can make it through something like that. Yeah, but, I mean, the experience up? you gained from that had to be pretty life-changing as well, kind of accelerating you forward. No regrets at all. I feel now that I have a piece of me that lives in Colorado. I go back every year to snowboard. Like, I mean, things happen. And now I get to do, you know, Sunday morning sports shows here in my hometown, right here in, in Virginia, um, do my own podcast. And quite frankly, I work for myself. I work one day a week. Like, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that to to fail is to learn about yourself, to gain confidence about yourself and then put you on the right track, man. It just shows you what you don't like. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And and, and you're right when you said you have to go out there and learn it because it is a skill like any other skill. And that's the problem I think I see, uh, maybe not the most, but I see it a lot, is people have this idea that I'm just not the kind of person who does this. You know, they have gone their whole life, they've gone through school, maybe even gone through college, being that very reserved person who did not put themselves out there. They didn't have a lot of friends. They just, they weren't that confident person. And they have accepted that lot in life. I am this person. And I call bullshit on that too. And not to be abusive to them, I do it because I know that they can grow and change because I did it. You know, I... You know, I've told this story probably more than the listeners want to hear it as well, but like in fourth grade, I failed a book report because I was too scared to stand up in front of my friends, the people I went to school with, and talk about a book I had actually read. And that theme kind of repeated itself through life. I was just, I did not have the confidence that I needed. And I had to take the long path to get there. I wish that I'd have had a, a book or a resource to say, hey, here are the steps to do it. But thank God that kind of stuff really exists in, in a big way. And you can get most of it free through podcasts and, 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 you know, through audiobooks and things like that. But what I tell people, I mentor a lot of young men and, and I say, you do, you have to put yourself out there. You have to create situations that are uncomfortable. One of the exercises that I tell them to start with is just go out and talk to strangers When you're on the street, stop somebody and ask them a question. Try to start a conversation. When you're in an elevator, try to start a conversation. Don't just say, hey, how's the weather? Try to start a conversation and and get it moving and then try to pivot that conversation forward in a natural way that they don't feel like you're going to try to keep talking to them. Because talking to people is a conversation skill and so many people don't have it and that's a starting spot. And, and it's really building, building confidence within yourself, building self-esteem within yourself is basically just gaining credibility inside. When you say you're going to do something, you actually do it. So then when you start making goals, you actually look at yourself as the kind of person who accomplishes goals. Because if you've historically been like, oh, I'm going to do all these things, and then you never do them, you're going to lose credibility with yourself. 
So you're going to be like, well, I'm the kind of person who never does these things. So Tony Robbins says this, but motion leads to emotion. You have to actually start doing it, and then the motivation to do it will increase. You will feel more comfortable and confident going out and doing it. So confidence is a skill like any other skill. Practicing, talking to people, putting yourself out there, and and being okay failing, being okay falling straight on your face. Like you, you went out to Colorado and you kind of had to know that going out there was going to be tough. And then you get there and the co-host quits the day before. You know what? You could have said, shit, my co-host just quit. I'm going home. This is not what I signed up for. But I don't think you did that. I think you said, oh, shit, let's see what happens. Yeah, let's go see what happens for the next two I guess, months. They, I guess I'm the host. <laughs> well, I didn't know what was going to happen. They told me that my name was now going to be called Lucky. They're going to pay. They're going to pair me with they Lady changed, J. They changed oh, yeah. your name. Yeah, they told me what I was going to be called. They said, we're going to call you DJ Lucky. You're listening. You're listening to Lucky and Lady J. Cool Mondays uh, this in the is morning. Actually, <laughs> no, what they wanted to call it was, we're going to call the show Get Lucky with Lady J. Oh dear. And I'm like. How did oh that go over God. with Lady now, J? Well, Lady J couldn't have cared less, but Lady J was like a 45-year-old African-American woman who was super sweet but had nothing in common with me. And so we were two people in a room talking on the air, which we had fun with it. But when they stopped paying, they didn't even pay me. They weren't, they, like the first paycheck was supposed to come, and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. It's, it's coming. And I was just like, listen, man. Oh, but, man. But going back to you to what you were saying about talking to random people in the day – um, Rob, I am a singer, I guess you would have to say, because I sing into a microphone, but I'm not good at it. So to take that confidence to a new level, uh, when I was like, you know, hams 19, something like that, I would just go sit in the park and just start singing. I would go to a Metro stop and I would just start singing where people were coming out of. And if you could do that, because that is terrifying. Um, if you can do that, then you can go sing in front of any crowd taking it to podcasting or really anything in confidence and talking to people, anybody in your daily life, you were saying, try to talk to, not just talk to them in the conversational skill, but try to connect with them. So they remember you when you leave. And if you can connect to somebody, that's how you, I mean, yes, that's podcasting one one You're connecting with your listeners. You're not just talking at them, but that's people skills, man. That's, that's learning how to connect to somebody you just met, get out. So they don't think you're dragging on them. That's a skill, man. And I don't think a lot of people work on that. No, you're right. And they don't because I think it goes back to that mindset issue too, is they think, well, I'm just not a sociable person. Right. And and to give it context in my life, I definitely felt that way. Like I loved talking to people, but I had a problem talking to people I didn't know that well. And, you know, you get nervous. You don't know what you're supposed to say. You feel silly. That's surprising because you're really good at it. Well, and, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, so I, I have the desire, which I think helped a lot. I have the desire to connect with people. I always have wanted that. I've craved it. It's one of the most important things in my life. It's really, I mean, at its very root, it's probably one of the reasons I podcast because I love how I am able to connect. Uh, so many people now reach out to me and I have real conversations with them because they heard me. They listen to my podcast. They begin to know, like, and trust me through that podcast. And now we've developed a relationship. I've connected with them through that power. So I love that. But... I was nervous. I did not have, you know, good communication skills. That's really what it comes down to. My, my communication skills weren't strong, and I identified that in my life. And I said, I, I love talking to people. I love communicating. I need to learn to be a more effective communicator. And so I learned. I figured it out. And it's still something I struggle with. And, and 
you know, people look at you and they're like, oh, but you're out there. You talk to everyone. You speak on stage. You've done trial work. And I said, well, yeah, of course. But that doesn't mean that I am a different person inside. It's just I, even though I feel it, I still do it. You know, I get nervous. I still do it. But I've used that nervousness and I've kind of reformed the way my brain works around it. I use that nervousness right. now as a trigger. It triggers me to get into go mode because yes. I have learned how to do that. I've learned how to pivot that in that first 30 seconds. Yeah. That first 30 seconds that I'm standing in front of a crowd or, I mean, on podcasting now it's a little different. Like I used to get a little nervous, but now it's just like, Hey, whatever. I'm talking to the mic it's who I am. Right. Um, right. but still when I'm in front of a crowd, always that first 30 seconds, when I first open my mouth is it, it's still a little terrifying, a little nervous, but man, after that first 30 seconds, I can talk for four hours if they would let me because now I'm on a roll. And right. and that's that's really what I tell people is just get through, know what you're talking about if you have to talk to a group of people. But, <laughs> per, you know, be prepared. Be prepared. Even if you're just going to go try to talk to a stranger, if you've never done that before, be a little bit prepared. Kind of understand a little bit about where you are and the context of where you are and, and your things that might be appropriate to talk about because, you know, people, that's one of the things that people that don't effectively communicate well is sometimes they don't know where the right. lines are in communication. Right. They don't know what they should or shouldn't talk about, you know, the context. Uh, sometimes they talk too much. I tell people just ask questions, you know, don't like rapid fire questions, but like naturally flow and let people talk about themselves and they will like you. Oh, they certainly will. Everybody's got a, tour, a story to tell. Um, you know, I, I think about what you said about nerves is so true because what is what's happening when you get nervous? You start to sweat. Your heart rate rises. What's really happening is your body is preparing to do something amazing out of its comfort zone. And you need to take that and embrace that feeling and not be afraid of that feeling. If you can embrace that feeling as a trigger – now you're in go mode. You couldn't have said it any better. Like my job as I literally am an MC, I'm a wedding DJ. I talk, I, I run crowds for a living. Well, from I what I hear, you are the number one rated DJ in the Richmond area. Is that right? Did I get that right? Um, I just got two national number one rankings. So in oh, the country. sweet <laughs> pickle. Look at you. Yeah, not to brag a little bit, but that one I'm pretty proud of. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ranked number one on gigmasters.com, the knot.com and weddingwire.com. And, um, and the reason is, is because once you get used to, uh, listen, man, I, I embrace, I love now I'm, I'm weird. I'm, you know, people joke that I might be on the autism spectrum. Like I am out there, man. I get that. That's fine. But if you're somebody who's not typically comfortable with speaking in front of people or just with nerves in general, Rob hit it on the point. If you can find a way to embrace those nerves and that feeling as not something that's wrong, it's literally your body gearing up to do something great. Man, you can take that as far as you want. Dude, you're so right. I love that. Now, I don't want to keep you here all day, but there's a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. How did you go from, you know, you're working in special education. How sure. did you kind of pivot that into, you know, I know you own the gear, but how did you pivot that into a career as a DJ? And then, you know, follow up question, just continue the story on it. How did you so quickly turn that into such a huge success, getting on these websites and getting nationally ranked? Like, what does well, that look like? Good, that's a good question. So I uh, let's see. I started out teaching special ed. They gave me a three-year teaching degree, and I knew I wasn't going to do it after three years. So I saw that as a three-year job. After three years, I was like, "Well, something will come." I feel I just I I feel confident in myself that I'll find something. And lo and behold, I found an assistant director position at Bach to Rock Music Schools. I was like Jack Black in the movie of School to Rock. I'm teaching kids how to rock and roll. So were you actively looking for that position, like for a position? Nope. Craigslist. Found it on Craigslist. I knew my pre my 
provisional license was coming up. I just started opening myself up to the world. And I remember what I told myself was, because I very much believe in the law of attraction, the secret and all that. And I just said, all right, I'm going to work every day on something on one of my skills to improve. I, I would you know, practice piano a little bit, make sure I hit the drums, work on the guitar. And then all of a sudden, within two weeks, I had a job at a music school. It just kind of works like that. Um, but yeah, dude, I did that for six years. And as much as I loved it, I, I just knew I wasn't meant for a eight hour a day, nine hour a day type of boxed in job. And so I, you know, luckily I was able to take all of the skills that I learned from that job. I didn't, I didn't see it as a, as a, a jail. I knew I was going to leave it soon. So I figured, let me learn as many skills as I can. Now, I think that's the secret wherever you are, even if you don't like it, just take what you can from it. So wherever you move to later, you're, you're, you're a better person. You're built up. And that's what I think you're going to get into on breaking up with the girl. I think you're going to talk a lot about making sure that, you know, you're, you're a better person when you come out of that cloud of breakup, you know, sorrow, um, which I can't wait for that podcast by the way. But yeah, man, once I, once I, uh, I was literally at my desk as the assistant director, my boss came in, she said, man, my daughter, she just, she got this New York act. She said, my <laughs> daughter just, oh my God, she got married. And the DJ was amazing. And it was actually pretty affordable. He was only $1,800. And I said, I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> I quit within two weeks. I knew I had all the gear. I took all the skills that I had learned from an administrative position. And honestly, the only piece of advice that I would say has gotten to me where I am, um, it's just having the most fun in the room. Be the guy who's having the most fun in the room. And if that show, you know, that shows you're in it, man. When I go to do these weddings, I'm having a blast. I am actually intrinsic, intrinsically enjoying it. And in any situation, something's going to go wrong. But I don't get bad reviews because if something comes up, man, I make it the 100% like top of my priority to fix it and immediately. And nobody leaves a bad review if – something comes up and you, you're doing everything you can to fix it. It's these people who, Oh, the power went out. I guess that's on the venue. Like what? What? No, go find another plug, dude. What are you doing? Like this is a nightmare in my situation. I'm freaking out. I'm frantic. And people see that. I think if people see that you care, um, it goes a long way. It really does. But having the most fun in the room has been the by far best piece of advice I've ever heard. No, I love that. And that was, uh, you know, I, I think you're in a good industry, especially for who you are. You're very unique. You're energetic. You're fun. You're not going to let, uh, you don't let bullshit get to you. I know that like just, you know, having worked with you, like you're just, you are, you were even at hams, like you always <laughs> seem to be the guy who's having the most fun in the room. Just like, Hey, what's going on? Like just always <laughs> so upbeat. Life is short, Rob. You get a choice to either hate it or enjoy it. So, I mean, why not pick the latter? Yeah. And like in college, one one of the things that I remember about you, because I don't think we worked together that long. Um, not much. And we didn't really know each other. Like we never hung out outside of work or anything. And I uh, I was on campus with my girlfriend and we were just walking and talking about something. Um, we were talking about something kind of personal, like, but not like in a bad way, just like some kind of like personal like issue. And we were having kind of a debate about it. It was like not mean spirited or anything. We we're just kind of going back and forth. Right. And we hear somebody behind us just like chime in and keep walking. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I look over and it was you, you just chimed in your opinion and it was a funny opinion. And, and then like, and then we saw each other cause you didn't even realize it was me. You were just talking to strangers and letting them know your opinion on their conversation. Uh, it, but it right. was funny too. And I'm like, man, like it was just one of the things I remember. You're just a funny guy. Like, oh, so that, I don't know why that's the one story I remember, but that was a, a good one. Well, it I speaks to 
go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Because I'm taking well, us on a different track. I was just going to say it's, it's, it speaks to uh, somebody told me one time to treat everybody like they're your best friend. Well, the way you talk in, in conversation. Some people don't like that at first because it's like, whoa, this guy's like really skipping all of the levels of breaking through my barriers. He's just going right to it. Yeah. But man, dude, that that's a way for me to weed out the people I don't want to be around. If you're going to make me sit there and just tiptoe on eggshells for the first three weeks of knowing you, then honestly, like we're probably not going to get along. Yeah, let's cut it. <laughs> dude, I love that because there is one guy in my life and I'll circle back to this psychology major that I decided with uh, my you know guidance counselor to to do is my first day of psychology class I sit down and you know, I'm you know a little nervous I'm you know I'm young and and the guy in front of me just like turns around and just starts talking to me about something that's happening in the room but he's talking to me like we went to school together like right. we know each other <laughs> it's jarring right it was so jarring but I think about that I mean, probably once a month, like it's that, it's that much in my head because I took that. I just, I liked it so much. And him and I ended up becoming very good friends. Like I used to like stay at his house all the time because it was a longer drive for me to go home. And, but we created that friendship, like in that moment when he just turned around and started talking. Uh, and, but I, that? aren't you just tired of people being so fake and surface level? Like, man, it's nice to get something that's authentic for once. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I very much created that in my own life as well. And you're right. It doesn't always turn people on, but it doesn't matter. There are 7 billion people in the world. And the faster <laughs> that I can weed out the ones that I don't want to talk to anyway, the better, because I'm like you, man, I want to drill down into some real shit in the first like yeah. three minutes. Like, yeah, I, I want to talk about your dreams and your emotions and your fears, like, or, you know, your loves. Like, I want to talk about real shit right this second. And is it bad, Rob, that if I see you trying to take surface level bullshit routes with me, I'm going to dig in even harder? <laughs> no, you, you be you and you will attract the people naturally that enjoy you. I feel like I mentioned it on every single episode I've ever done, but there's a blog post called A Thousand True Fans. And the idea is you don't need everyone to like you. You just need your thousand people to like you. You know, if you have Ooh, rabbit like if you have rabid fans, yeah, check it out. I'll link it on I'm sure it's linked on a lot of different uh blogs and show notes, but I'll link it again uh for anyone who's just listening for the first time. But the idea is that if, if you have your tribe, your these are your people and they are rabid brand evangelist for you, that's all you'll ever need. Uh, because so don't, you know, and I tell people that when they're starting a podcast is they're like, Oh, I want to do a, you know, a travel podcast. Okay. Uh, what makes you different than every other travel podcast out there? Like why, why are you unique? And, and, and you have to really think about who you are and get ruthlessly authentic. Like I can promise you, and you know this too, there is not another show on iTunes that sounds like Luch Dog in the morning. It, there's just not. <laughs> because you are eccentric, you are fun, you are ridiculous, your co-hosts bring fun dynamics, and and that's because you don't care about pleasing anyone. You care about being who you are and being authentic about who you are, and you let that resonate with the people that it resonates with, and you don't care about the people that it doesn't. I appreciate you recognizing that, man. That's really I, I try really hard for it to come out, out that way. Like we we talk a lot and it's we we work on it feeling like just the conversation, but the whole point of it is to, and really any podcasting, if anybody's out there listening about trying to start one of their own, I think the best thing you can do is try to in, like get the listeners to feel like at the end of the day, they just want to hang out with you. Yeah. Like if you, you know, try, if you try to appeal to everyone, like if you go in a room of 5,000 people and try to get all of them to like you before you leave, none of them are going to like you. None of them will. No. But if you have no problem with half of them thinking you're an idiot, they're going to love you because half of them will and they're going to call you that idiot and then they're going to tune in tomorrow to find out why you're still an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What a, that's a, 
that's one of the things I talk about too. People are always so worried about, you know, the people, oh, I don't want people to not like me, you know, and, and, and like, don't, if you're doing it right and you're doing it on a big enough level, people are going to dislike you. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing to be kind of, as long as you're not trying to be mean spirited, being polarizing is fine. And, you know, one of the phrases you always hear is fuck the haters. And, (laughs) and I (laughs) understand, I understand the sentiment behind it. Like, you know, don't let those people get to you. But I also kind of have a firm disagreement there as well, because, you know, I've kind of put this process into my life. You know, I do that, which serves me. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's not like, you know, mean spirited or hurting somebody else. I do whatever it is that serves me. And one of the things that has turned out to serve me is learning to accept criticism better, even if it's deconstructive criticism, even if it's meant to be harmful. One of the things about criticism or haters is generally those people, if they're really trying to hurt you, because anybody can be like, oh, this guy sucks. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Right. You well, know, okay. like they put some meat on those bones. Right. And but when somebody really wants to dig in, they're going to look close. They're going to look for that chink in your armor and they're going to throw their spear there. Well, if you just have your if you just have your defenses up and you're like, oh, fuck the haters, that guy's an idiot. How does that serve you? I mean, yeah, it kind of keeps your ego fortified. But at the same time, if they have actually identified a real chink in your armor, that might be something that you need to think about. They're busy throwing rocks at you and they don't realize that some of those rocks are hunks of gold that you can pick up and actually use to your own benefit because they have in their quest to tear you down. They've identified real flaws that you can use constructively to make yourself better. Um, And not only that, but they can add to your confidence level. If you can take a negative comment and realize that that's not the end of the world, which I mean, God, Kevin Durant, like take a page out of this book, please. But, you know, if you can look at your Twitter haters or anybody, look, like you said, my my, it's a progressive commercial. So I didn't come up with this. But when that guy, that little box that talks uh, and he goes, what does he say? Critty's going to neg. I love it. I love it. Critty's going to neg. That's how I look at it. It's not fuck the haters. It's just straight up. Critty's going to neg, baby. I don't care. <laughs> if you're going to be critique, then go ahead and neg about it. But it's going to add because I really think for every hater that you have, you got three followers. So, you know, if you can look at that, you're right. You can see what a flaw they pointed out and maybe not take it like it's the same thing, Rob. If your girlfriend, now I know you're married and very happily married. I'm a single guy. But She's let's still say, my girlfriend. Oh, you know, you know. <laughs> You know, if somebody says to you um, something really, really just a, a critique of you, that's easy to be like, let's say they break up with you and they, they kind of bash you a little. That's easy to be like, well, she didn't know what she's talking about. Right. Maybe it would be healthier to say, but is she having some sort of a point there? Because I could probably work on it. Right. And that's ego protection. And that's actually one of the core things that we work on in getting over the girl is most of your friends are going to jump right on that bandwagon. If you're like, she's an idiot, they're going to be like, yeah, fuck her. And right. and I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it to be on your side because it's you and them against the world. Like they're your friends. They want to be there for you. They want to be on your side. But at the same time, you know, one of the things that is most helpful to do during a breakup is identify what you did wrong. What could you have done better? I'm not saying that you need to throw yourself under the bus completely, but by externalizing it and saying, oh, well, she's this and she's a bitch and, and she right. never she never did this for me, you know, none of that stuff is actually going to serve you long term. In the moment, you're like, yeah, I'm going to eat fried chicken and bitch about how terrible she was. You know, <laughs> but, but, but tomorrow, you're not better. You're worse. You're worse for that because, A, you're, you're engaging in negative activity and, um, you know, not even just eating, but just the negative mindset of blaming other people for your own problems. Because even if people are to blame, how does that serve you? 
How does it serve you for someone who's out of your life to sit there and use all your time and energy and emotion just directing negative shit at someone who's not even there to accept it? Such a good point. I I was coaching. uh, I I took an – remember I said at a college I took a JV baseball coaching position. So one summer, this coach wanted me to be his assistant. He promised me $4,000. He kept. He started with 2000 At the end of the season, he told me, I'm excited. I couldn't wait to tell you this. I haven't paid you yet because I'm going to double your pay. You're going to get $4,000. What? Oh, what's up? Well, guess what? Dude, just after the season was over, fell off the face of the earth, never talked <laughs> to me, never paid me anything. And I'm 24 years old, and I'm sitting here putting a lawsuit together. That's like a million dollars to a 24-year-old. Oh, it is. But really, to me, it was, oh, you're not getting away with this guy. So I sat there putting a lawsuit together. I I took him to court and the whole time, even though I won and still 10 years later have not been paid. My dad kept saying, dude, you are wasting so much energy and you are exerting so much negative energy on this for what? Two to four grand honestly is not worth this for you. It's not worth it to just sit there and, you know, just only just perseverate on the things that are just bringing you down right now. It doesn't serve you the way that you said. I think you're right on that, man. Anything that's negative as a podcaster, as a relationship, take something that's negative and learn from it. And you're going to end up in such a better position than just saying, ah, fuck the haters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to speak to your point about the lawsuit specifically, have having practiced as a lawyer for six years, mostly in litigation, you would be surprised how much money people are willing to exert just to feel right. That's all I wanted. That's why I haven't been paid. All I wanted was somebody to say, yep, he's right. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem, too, is people realize, oh, yeah, you got a judgment, but now you actually got to collect on it. Like, yeah. Because a, <laughs> a lot of times that judgment is just a really pretty piece of paper with a judge's signature on it. You can frame hey. it on the wall and tell people about it. It's um, a big I was right. That's yeah, all it was. Yeah, it's a huge I was right. Oh, my. I'm glad I wasted all that time, energy, and money. Like, you'd be surprised how, you know, and you see this a lot in divorce as well, is they mm. would rather burn the entire savings down. They would rather walk away with oh, yeah. nothing than give the other person a dollar. Just burn the house to the ground to spite them. Uh, so, yeah, I... Generally, I will. I generally wouldn't even take cases where it was clear in the beginning that was the goal. Like if the right. goal is just to to scorch the earth, like I don't want to be involved in that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get in. I didn't get involved in the law to scorch anybody's earth. I got involved to do something good for the world to help. Um, and, and when you just want to come in and burn everything and use the justice system uh, to exact revenge and, and try to protect your ego and feel better, like I don't want anything to do with that. But yeah, I mean to to kind of summarize the entire point of that, you know, from what you said. I think is, you know, don't waste your time and energy trying to be right. Don't make it about do- being right. Make it about doing what serves you and your long-term goals. Right. You know, because what don't you, you wish take you- out of that? Like, right. What can you take out of being wrong? Right. You know, instead of sitting there going, I was right. No, I was right. I was right. Okay. Even if you were, why does the state person think you're wrong? And how can you fix that? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you know, tomorrow, next year, next week, whatever, whatever it happens to you, when you look back, is your being right or wrong in that moment going to change your life in any real way? I mean, that is almost never the case. You know, when you're just arguing with somebody, I read a book called Triggers. I think it's Marshall Goldsmith. And he said, before you get involved in anything protracted, like an argument or something like that, he said, you know, he has this phrase. He said, ask yourself this question. And it's, it's, am I willing in this moment to make the time investment necessary to effectuate positive change on this issue? And by the time you get half of that word, <laughs> like, that's long. by the time you get half that word salad out of your mouth, you're like, what issue? 
I don't even know what the yeah. hell I'm talking about. I mean, I already forgot about what yeah. we're talking about. You have, but I'll tell you, man, just that simple little trick that I learned in that book, you have no idea how many Facebook arguments that I have averted because I'll oh. see something and I'm like, this motherfucker. Like, and then I crack my knuckles like I'm about to go to town. And then I, <laughs> and then I remember Marshall, you know, am I willing in this moment to make the time commitment necessary to effectuate? Po- Wait, what? What issue? Where are we? You know, yeah. like it's, it's over because I am oh. not willing in this moment to make that time commitment because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love that, man. Do what serves you. Um, And I know we're running out of time here, but I also wanted to come back and and say that, you know, you brought up, you know, the uh, law of attraction and the secret. Sure. So I have a quick story about that. I when I got into my person, I got really heavily into personal development in uh, September 2015 is really where it kicked off. I just started devouring knowledge and, and growing and changing. And one of the books that I put in my queue, because I've probably listened to 150 books since then, one of the books was The Secret. My wife had told me about it. She uh, she liked it. It really resonated with her. So this was probably six months in to my journey. Uh, I'd learned a lot. I was really open to receiving new things. But one, uh, so I start listening to this book and I made it through the first half of the book, but I was like, I, I just couldn't. It didn't. It was too hippy dippy bullshit for me. Well, if and, I want a convertible, then why don't I just wish for a convertible? Right, right. So I just, I, I just couldn't. I was like, what? I, I, I even talked to my wife, and she was like, I know. She's like, I know it feels like that. She's like, but you should try to keep listening to it, you know. And, and, and you know, she has so much credibility with me that anything she says, I take as the gospel. Like I'm like, if this woman likes it, then there's a good reason to like it. But I just wasn't ready in that moment, and, and I just never came back to it. And then over the last week, I'd be, I just, it just kind of came to my mind. I was like, oh, write that book. You know, I never finished it. And I'm at a very different place now than I was, you know, a year and a half ago. I read The Alchemist and I really enjoyed that book a lot. And, and that book's kind of a little hippy dippy for people who aren't in that headspace yet. But it, it really has changed my mind about living with intentionality and doing that which serves me and allowing the universe to bring the things into my life that, that I wanted. And so for some, I don't even know what reason the secret kind of popped back up into my head. And then the very next day I heard someone mention it. This was like two days ago. Someone mentioned it. So I came home last night and I was talking to my wife. We were just sitting there talking and I said, you know, I was like, I think I'm going to go back and try to read the secret now because I feel like I'm in a different place. I think I'm ready to receive it now. And so then Uh, When I told her, I was like, I feel like the universe has told me, you know, like it came into my mind and then someone mentioned it. And I mean, how frequently do people mention the book, The Secret? Like, I don't think it's that (laughs) often, but, and then, you know, so I was like, you know, it felt like I was being, you know, kind of guided in that direction. Again, might sound hippie to you, but I do that, which serves me. And this has been serving me. So I continue to do it. It's not hippie, Rob. I love (laughs) it. It's, it's, it's part of the universe. Well, no. And that's where I am, man. Well, I mean, I, you know, I used to be a very much, very much a, you know, see it, touch it, feel it, touch it again type of science. Person and and I still am. I still respect that science process, but at the same time, like if if I can't prove that it's wrong, man, I'm not going to go around telling people that things are wrong anymore. Like that doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve them. It doesn't make anybody better. But I mean, I'm just reinforced now. Like it's it's going to be the next book that I listen to because I'm sitting here this morning after talking to my wife last night, and you're like, yeah, you know, intentionality and the secret, and I'm like, boom, (laughs) there it is. I'm telling you, man, it's weird that it comes out there like that. It's it's almost like if you look at it like when you see a car you haven't seen before. And you're like, oh, I've never seen that car. And then that week you see like 10 of those cars. It's not that you're just all of a sudden seeing these new cars. 
it's that you're open now to seeing those cards. You're recognizing them. Right. And I think that's really the whole thing behind the secret, the law of attraction. Everybody's like, oh, I'm just going to wish for a convertible. No, 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 no. How about you just open yourself up to the idea that maybe you could get a new car? and, and And just that alone... We'll uh, put you on a path towards it. Well, and that's and that's what I say is if you want to intersect with the universe, you have to be on your path. You can wish for a convertible all you want, but if you don't start taking the steps towards right. the convertible, right. it's not going to drive to your house. Yeah, if you don't even have a license yet, then you could pretty much just go shove. Right, create the path. <laughs> start making decisions today and every day that are going to put you in that position. You know, like I wanted to be involved in the startup world. Like I just love entrepreneurship. I love that angle. I love the hustle. I just love everything about it. So I just started showing up to entrepreneur events. And then I met a guy who was in, you know, briefly, he didn't even know my name. And he was in charge of a startup organization in town. Six months later, I see on LinkedIn, he's looking for some help. So I message him. I'm like, I'll help. I'll volunteer. So for a year and a half, I'm doing all this free stuff uh, for them, getting to know him, getting, you know, we, we, we develop a friendship. He's actually a really good friend of mine now. And he's stepping down. And now I'm taking over the startup organization in town, you Look know, and, and, and I didn't just sit around and be like, man, I'd really like it'd be really cool if I could be the director of Startup Grind. No, I didn't. I got off my ass and I went and got on my path and the universe intersected with it. So there you go. Well, I love it, Rob. Well, Luch, I'm not going to keep you here all day, man. You are uh, always a, a phenomenal radio guy. I'm glad to have you on here, man. Uh, you can check him out. Luch dog in the morning. I'll let you actually give your plugs because a you have the cool radio voice and you know all of your <laughs> You can you can get your information out there better than me. So where can Ladies the listeners find you? Luch Dog in the morning. It's we do a podcast on Wednesdays, 10 a.m. It's live on YouTube, and that's YouTube YouTube channel L I T M podcast. We also do a sh- Sunday morning sports show in Richmond, which you can catch. It's all at litmradio.com. So just head over there, and you can see us. We would love to have you. Right on, man. Well, thanks for being here. Um, and then you can go back and check out. Was it last Wednesday's episode? Uh, where I am on there. I think, uh, you know, if you're pressed for time, I think I come on around 25 minute mark. Uh, yes. And you were awesome. We had you on for the, we only had, we were planning on having you on for about 15 minutes and then we were like, yeah, we're just going to keep him on for the whole show. Yeah. So. I, I think that's kind of how uh, I got married is my wife planned on keeping me around <laughs> for, for a brief time. And she was like, ah, I'll keep him for the rest of the show. Costanza. <laughs> hey, it was so good having you here, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to coming back on Loose Dog anytime you guys need a little bit of, uh, you know, the uh, more uh, maybe scientific approach to, to dating and, and such. I it, can't wait, Rob. <laughs> hey, hey, hit me up when you finish that book and we'll, we'll go back and forth on it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. Take All care. right. All right, listeners. I hope that you had as much fun as I did. Adam is such a fun dude. I know that he is headed for rockstar stardom. I mean, the way that he has turned the experiences in his life into something to move himself forward, never looking at a situation and seeing the negative, always seeing that positive, you know, hearing, hey, there is a position make, uh, of a DJ making $1,800. And instead of being like, man, that's really cool, what did he do? He went home immediately, identified what he needed to do, and jumped into it. So I encourage you to take a page out of Adam's book. Start doing something, doing anything that is going to get you a little bit closer to where it is that you want to be. Motion leads to emotion. So once you start taking those steps, you're going to be encouraged to keep taking more steps. And if you're anything like me, you really look for it. The universe will begin conspiring with you to make that happen. I know that sounds a little hippie-ish, but I do that which serves me, and that serves me. I know it's going to serve you too. So get out there and get after it. 
All right, before I let you go, one quick reminder about the comprehensive podcasting course at Advent Coworking from idea to iTunes, and you're going to get all that delicious podcasting goodness served up in person by yours truly. Whether you already have an idea or you need some help nailing one down, in just four short weeks, I'm going to help you take that idea and launch it on iTunes. So if you're ready to press play on your own podcast, head on over to yourpod.pro to sign up for details. That's yourpod.pro. All right, listeners, I know that your time is your most valuable asset. So I thank you once again for spending just a little bit of that time with me today. Now, until next week, get out there and get after it.